0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com, on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com, a big show coming your way with thanks to the Mailhug and the Talktober Challenge. Make sure you log in and register for the Talktober Challenge. Head to www.themailhug.com.au, register for the Talktober Challenge, and then throughout the month of October, Ring one mate a day. That's all you have to do. Say good day, have a chat, check in on a mate. You'll be amazed how good it is for your health and for theirs. It's the Talktober Challenge throughout the month of October with thanks to the Mail Hug. Register now at www.themailhug.com.au. And of course, uh, great friends at NTI are also a part of On the Grid. Big show coming your way. Andre Heimgartner from Kelly Racing to join us. A big weekend for him as he makes his way towards what hopefully will be a great Bathurst for Andre and his new driving partner in Dylan O'Keefe. We'll also hear from Dale Rogers a little bit later on. He'll review what happened at the 24 Hour of Le Mans and also preview what's coming up at the F1s in Russia. Mark Walker and Richard Crail as well. But first, the news and a third consecutive Supercars Championship is within reach for Scott McLaughlin, having extended his lead atop the standings to 215 points after a mixed weekend at Talem Bend. McLaughlin bounced back from a tough race on Saturday in which he suffered interference from Jamie Winkup at the start before finishing in 14th place after receiving his own 15-second penalty for an incident with Lee Holdsworth. He then claimed third and first in Sunday's two races. Adding to his own results, McLaughlin was buoyed by the improved performance of teammate Fabian Coulthard. I'm proud of Fab's
1: effort. Uh, yeah, car 12... Been on the receiving end on a few bad runs, so uh, he he's, uh, hasn't forgotten how to drive, obviously, so he's bloody awesome, great teammate, and... For us, the
2: car is um, yeah, fantastic to drive, a pleasure to drive and really proud of everyone at Shelby about racing
0: who had a bounce back up yesterday. McLaughlin there, thanks to Supercars Media. Fabian Coulthard held off a fast Jack LeBrock over the weekend in a thrilling finish at Talon Ben's first race on Saturday, the victory breaking his 41 race winless drought. With McLaughlin and Jamie Winkup colliding on that opening lap, Coulthard saw off a strong challenge from LeBrock and also Shane Van Gisbergen. Coulthard backed up the win with solid performances on Sunday with results of fourth and second, leaving him sixth now in the Drivers' Championship.
3: 41's a long time ago, so uh, my 200 round start as well. So to, uh, to get a win is, is awesome. I can't thank my guys. It's a little Marky, you know, got my car good, so, uh, you know, we bided our time there at the end.
0: The field for the Bathurst 1000 officially set 10 teams to compete. In the race, 24 cars in total, the most notable absentee, Gary Rogers Motorsport. Their wildcard entrant, Nathan Hearn, wasn't able to get a motorsport super license, so he wasn't able to drive. Gary Rogers Motorsport pulling the car with no backup plans, they will not feature at all. In the great race, one man who will be involved at Bathurst is Dylan O'Keefe, having secured a drive with Kelly Racing alongside Andre Heimgartner. The 22-year-old O'Keefe has spent three seasons in the Porsche Carrera Cup and one in the Dunlop Super 2 Series. Last weekend, he had a debut in the World Touring Car Cup in Belgium. It'll be his second Supercars race, having finished 18th in the 2019 Gold Coast 600. Andre Heimgartner happy to have O'Keefe as his partner.
2: I mean, I think he's a good young talent. I think he's underrated um, as far as, you know, a driver goes. And I raced him in Career Cup and he was actually, you know, very good. He'd give me a good run for my money sometimes, beat me obviously sometimes and didn't make any silly mistakes, was always sort of on the road and, and using his heads.
0: The Australian Financial Review was reporting supercars are on the verge of signing a new broadcast agreement with the Seven Network and Fox Sports. The deal expected to be worth two hundred million dollars across five years, a slight reduction on the current two hundred and forty-one million dollar deal with Fox and Network Ten of the same length. It's believed ten had offered to continue paying their annual eight million dollars to retain their broadcast rights, but ultimately pulled out of discussions. Shane Van Gisbergen is set to make his competitive rallying debut on home soil, confirmed as a starter for the Rally New Zealand's Battle of Jack's Ridge on November 15. The course was intended to host a race of the FIA Rally Championship this year, but the event was cancelled due to COVID-19. Rallying is close to the heart of Van Gisbergen and his father, Robert, having raced a Ford Escort across the country when he was growing up. Racing pointers high. Jefferson Slack as its new commercial managing director, ahead of its rebrand as Aston Martin for 2021. Slack has a wealth of experience in sports marketing and business, having served as the marketing chief of Michael Jordan in the 1990s, and later as CEO of Italian football giants Inter Milan. Fernando Alonso has visited Renault's factory in Enstone for the first time since re-signing as the team prepares for his Formula 1 return next season. It'll be the 39-year-old Alonso's third stint with the team. He first joined in 2002, winning World Championships in 2005 and 2006, and then returned in 2008 and 9. Having had two seasons out of F1, Renault are targeting post-season testing in Abu Dhabi for his return to the car. 2020's wide open MotoGP season continued over the weekend in San Marino with Maverick Vinales becoming the sixth different winner from seven races. Vinales was the beneficiary of long-time race leader Francesco Bagnaia. Crashing out of the Emola-Ramona Grand Prix, Vignales finishing first and moving into third place overall. He was joined on the podium by Juan Mur and Paul Spargro, the later promoted after Fabio Quartararo was penalised a place for exceeding track limits. With this result, a fantastic display from Maverick Vinales. He's going to be another new race winner. It's been an
1: incredible 27 laps here. Pure drama, pure theatre in MotoGP once again here in Mazzano. The checkered flag is out. The Gremlins are gone. Mac is back again. He wins here in Mazzano. Mir takes second. Fabio goes across the line in third, but he'll take a three-second penalty, which means that Polis Barguero will
4: inherit the podium finish. What does that mean for the championship?
0: Well, I can tell you what it means. Andrea Dovizioso now holds a slender one-point lead, atop the MotoGP rider standings but remains unhappy with the grip on his Ducati rear tyre. Divisioso finished 8th in Sunday's second San Marino race, the extra grip preventing him from breaking as he normally would. He explained that he was frustrated by the ongoing inability to find a solution. Fabian Cuadarrero and Maverick Vinales tied for 2nd now on 63. Murin in 4th on 80 points. Jack Miller has dropped down the standings and is equal 5th on 64 points. Dale Rogers has provided us with a review of the Le Mans 24-hour race and a preview to this weekend's F1 race in Russia. G'day,
4: Dale. Thank you, Tony. We've had one of the uh, three blue ribbon races in world motorsport conducted on the weekend. Obviously, Indianapolis just recently, Indy 500. Monaco didn't get off the ground this year. But Le Mans 24-hour was run in September in uh, the Le circuit at Le Mans. And it was a farewell victory for the Toyota Gazoo Racing uh, machine, the Toyota TS050 Hybrid. Uh, The last time we'll see this car at Le Mans as the rules change to the hyper car in 2021. Um, But it wasn't an easy victory. Uh, Rebellion Racing in their uh, Rebellion R3 Gibsons were out to say farewell as well to Le Mans as they are retiring from the category altogether. And their two cars took on the Toyotas. They weren't going to hang around for a podium position. They were going to go for an outright win. And they pushed the Toyotas hard. Uh, so much that uh, at one point uh, the number seven car uh, was in the pits for nearly 40 minutes with the turbo and Rebellion was sitting second and third and really not that far away from the victory. But the number eight Toyota uh, with Brennan Hartley, Nakajima and Bohemia aboard, really dominated the race. It was five laps ahead of the number one Rebellion at the end of the race, Um, the number seven car... Uh, did claw its way back into third place, albeit in a fascinating last hour, which we'll talk a bit more about in detail. But um, the rebellions were a second and third. The uh, the number seven Toyota was was clearly a lap uh, behind uh, the rebellion, number three rebellion, and it looked as though that's how it would finish. Um, But with an hour to go, uh, it all came (laughs) unstuck for a number of competitors, including the rebellion, uh, who was off at Indianapolis with front and... uh, uh, rear wing and front clip damage, uh, and uh, a 30-second penalty to boot. Uh, so, really interesting in in LMP1, but LMP2. Wow, wasn't that just an extraordinary battle? United Auto Sports, Zac Brown's team, uh, really come up as the as the standout team in this category, and they battled long and hard into the hours, right through the night. The 32 car with mainly pulled rest on board, the 33 car with. Uh, the 22 car, I should say, with Paul D'Restaur on board, and the 33 car with um, Alex Brundle, Martin Brundle's son on board, battled it out as though they weren't teammates. They were absolutely all over each other. In the end, though, it was the, 32, the 22 car with um, Resta aboard that claimed victory in LMP2 and gave United Auto the championship as well. Uh, but a fascinating battle in LMP2. Um, we saw the lead under pressure, a number of cars. Uh, really close to each other right through the race, and some stunning racing, um, including that of Australian James Allen, who was uh, well and truly in the mix in the uh, the Groff Racing Oreca, uh, who was also in this last hour of uh, uh, of mayhem when he uh, beached the car or actually hit the gate the- and was not classified. So really disappointing for Allen, who did a great job. Uh, the Jota car number 38 was second, Alex Davidson doing a lot of the driving, so at one stage we had Diresta, uh in the United Autosports 22 racing Alex da- uh, Anthony Davidson in the 20, in 38 Jota car. Uh, it was a battle of Sky Sports there for a while, so really fascinating racing there, but the LMP2 cars really turned it on, fabulous racing. And in the uh, GT, LMP, LMGTE Pro and LMGT M, it was all Aston Martin. Um, the factory cars first and third in pro, and the customer car first in the GTM uh, section. But the story of the GTs was what happened to Porsche. Um, very quick in practice, very quick in qualifying. They were absolutely outclassed in the race categorically. They were nowhere in the race, and they were struggling around uh, and really at the back of the field and finished uh, some uh, 13 laps down on the uh, Victorian uh, Victress. I should say, Aston Martin. Uh, really interesting uh, uh, story with the Porsche. Clutch troubles are what we, we, we hear, but also the cars simply are not on the pace. And it looked as though the Aston Martin and the AF, of course, Ferrari may well have been sandbagging a little bit in practice just to ensure that they didn't cop uh, a balance of performance adjustment as they did last year. Um, the highlight of uh, the GTN for us, of course, was uh, Matt Campbell's charge at the end of the race. Uh, a safety car really changed the fortunes of the uh, place getters in, in GTM, and uh, it brought together um, the Dempsey Proton, Proton Racing Porsche of Campbell, uh, the AF Course Ferrari, and uh, one of the other Porsches, um, the Team Project One Porsche as well, into a into a Titanic battle in the last hour. So uh, a little bit like Bathurst, Tony, uh, you know, 23 hours in, and it all went crazy in the last hour. But a stunning race. Uh, uh, once again, uh, it, it looked a bit weird with no people there, but the racing throughout the night, etc., was just fantastic. Just a little bit of trivia for you, Tony. Um, the distance covered was 5,272 kilometres. Now, that would take you from Melbourne to Jakarta in one day by car. Um, if you want it for our friends listening through the RS Network in the UK and around the world, and that would also just get you from London to Dubai. So extraordinary uh, coverage of distance in this race. But it wasn't the race record. 387 laps covered by the uh, number 8 Toyota. In 2010, one of the Audis actually covered 397 laps, an extra 10 laps. But all in all, fantastic race. And uh, Le Mans just won it one of the one of the true classics on the calendar. Now, looking forward to uh, Formula 1, Tony. And uh, we go after the madness of Mugello. We go to... Uh, the rather staid Sochi circuit. Um, This has not been a great circuit. Eighth time the Formula One cars have visited there. Uh, It's been a Mercedes hunting ground, uh, having the Mercedes have won every race. It's a track where Valtteri Bottas seems to be able to qualify well, race well, and then get... Either outmaneuvered or outclassed by his teammate Lewis Hamilton, and my money would be on that, will probably happen again this weekend. Um, it's an interesting track only for turn, uh, what is effectively turn two, although it really is turn one, there's a kink in the straight. It's all about the first lap. Uh, you get a massive toe down to that corner, to right-hand uh, a 90-degree corner. Uh, there's always accidents there. But if you get a toe off the second or third row of the grid, you can fly past the cars in front of you with no DRS, and it's, it's there that, that both Ferrari and Mercedes in recent years have uh, really had some interesting battles where team orders have been thrown well and truly out the window. It's also a corner to keep a very close eye on Roman Grosjean because almost certainly he will arrive either backwards, upside down, or bang into somebody. So uh, that's probably the highlight of the race for mine. It certainly has, has really not delivered great racing, but it, it, is, it is a must-win for Bottas, really, for, uh, to keep any, any championship hopes alive. And uh, I guess the other uh, uh, thing to watch for, Tony, will be whether the Ferraris can get any speed, but obviously the battle between Red Bull um, and Mercedes, also Renault and, uh, and McLaren, so and, of course, the racing points. So let's hope it's a good race. It hasn't been in the past, but after Mugello, uh, we might be coming off a bit of a high. So, Tony, that's it for the World Wrap. Um, back to you in the studio. See you next week. Thank you, Dale. That's our
0: news done and dusted. Let's get straight into the program. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, joining me as always to have a chat, Richard Crowell from the racetalk.com. Hello, Crowellsy. Shebexter, how are you? Excellent, thank you, mate. How are you after your first weekend at a racetrack
1: or a supercar
0: racetrack for a long time?
1: I saw some car racing live, like in person, the sights and the sounds and the smell. It was bloody terrific. I'm not going to lie with you. And uh, I think we were blessed because we got a tremendous couple of races. The Saturday race, I think last weekend is one of the better supercar races of the last 18 months, if not more. Um, Bathurst excluded, obviously. And then Sunday were compelling for different reasons. And we got some varied results and some different names and faces on the podium, which we know we love on this show. So, um, yeah we'll, we'll break it down later on in the program but loved it tremendous weekend and you forget how cool these things are live having not seen them since the Grand Prix so yeah, you do. good stuff and I'm looking forward to launching into our first guest Shebex because he had a terrific weekend.
0: Yeah he certainly did Krull. He got his second podium of the year which is fantastic in the Ned Mustang of course racing for Kelly Racing. Andre Heimgartner joins us. G'day Andre how are you? Yeah good thanks thanks for having me on the show. Oh, thanks for coming on board, mate. Uh, congratulations, another great weekend and, and a really solid weekend for you too, which is uh, even more special than just the one podium. But to get consistent results over an entire weekend is very nice.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's sort of something that I guess um, everyone wants. We came out second overall for the weekend and you know everyone has their stories of shoulda, coulda, woulda. But we, you know, if things would have lined up in different ways, we should have been on the podium in every single race, then we would have had a good chance... And that last one to be high up in the podium as well. Our car was extremely fast, but um, unfortunately it wasn't meant to be when I was turning the wrong way um, in the second to last turn. But yeah, very happy. It's really hard to string a whole weekend together. It's easy, or not easy, but <laughs> easier, I guess, to have a one-off um, you know, race result here or there or, or whatever. So to have a whole weekend of strong um, results has been really
1: uplifting for the team and especially myself especially coming off the back of Townsville, mate, which was a, a bit of a shocker for both Kelly racing cars. You look like you had pretty good car speed up in the top end in Darwin. I know some of the results didn't go your way, but solid speed up there. But Townsville, man, that was character building, I would imagine.
2: Yeah. the last Those four weeks were definitely very hard. Obviously you're, you're flat out racing and to not get any results throughout that time was actually quite difficult for everyone to sort of deal with. So, We, um, yeah, we really, the boys dug in um, in between the two rounds and we, you know, completely went over the cars and, you know, we weren't 100% sure if anything was wrong or whatever, but they managed to put everything back together, make it all nice and shiny again. And, um, yeah, we went back to a happy hunting ground, I guess you could say, for us. And, um, yeah, and and we managed to go well.
1: So you had great car speed at Sydney Motorsport Park, Andre, but you were really fast at the pre-season test as well when you guys had just rolled these cars out smashed them together before the start of the season that story's been well documented what is it about the fast and flowing tracks that suits the kr cars and what do you need to work on on the more stop go stuff clearly that isn't quite there yet
2: yeah well i think if i knew that i'd be earning a lot <laughs> than i do
4: so
2: um not not sure really it's a bit of a confusing um, answer or you know we don't really know and I don't think anyone really knows to a certain extent but I think we think it has a large amount to do with um, the way our cars configured at the moment unfortunately with the engine development that we've had um, obviously Todd's done an exceptional job but we've been away from the workshops, so our development from then on has been quite limited and and one of the aspects of that, for example, was the weight of the engine. So that, that means that our front arms in the car need to be further forward, which means our wheelbase is longer and, and all sorts of stuff like that, um, which makes it hard to put the tyres on and off. But I think that also w- would affect it at a, sh- a short, sharp circuit with curbs and fast change of direction stuff. Our car's just not reactive enough. Um, and that also affects the aero balance and it has a flow and effect throughout the car. So, you, you know, you could put your finger in... Um, you know, blame a few different things, but um, we don't really know for sure what it was. But um, we're definitely happy that it, it seemed to uh, come together last weekend.
0: Just going back to that Darwin-Townsville uh, month, Andre, especially just pre-Darwin, uh, take us through the anguish that was going through the team heading up to Darwin from Sydney Motorsport Park and the possibility that you may not even have cars to race with the changes that needed to be made at the time.
2: Yeah, it was a fairly interesting time. We just came off obviously being on pole and and coming second. So that was pretty cool. Um, But then, yeah, having to go to Darwin, it was really interesting because one minute we're going, then we're not, then we pack our bags and then we're heading to the airport and then, oh, no, sorry, you know, you have to go back to your hotel now and we're leaving tomorrow. And then, you know, they're like, okay, we'll head to the airport and we'll tell you when you get there if we're going or not. And then we went there and then they um, obviously told us when we're on the plane that we'd have to go into quarantine for unlimited not like days, like we didn't know how many days. So it was all very um, surreal. I could only, uh, you know, I can only understand half of what people that have to go into quarantine and do all that sort of stuff is. It's a very tough thing. We had to do a few days of it. Um, and I could just say staying in a room uh, or being forced to stay in a room was definitely not the most, you know, positive and um, uplifting thing I've had to do. So. Yeah, there's all sorts of battles like that. Obviously, being away from your family, we've been away nearly 80 days now. Um, so, it's, um, yeah, there's a whole lot of aspects to it. Um, and, yeah, when I guess when you're going well on the
0: racetrack, it, it helps make everything worthwhile, um, all the sacrifices and stuff you're doing. And the changes that needed to be made to the engine pre-Darwin, Andre, was that a, a major issue for you guys? Um, yes and no. I, like, there's no
2: changed um directly with any issues we had with the engines they were quite reliable um, luckily the guys back in melbourne managed to do some tweaks on some butterflies and stuff and um todd and then managed to do some good upgrades while we we're on the road but it's just the thing of you know you normally get two weeks you go back to your workshop or two or three weeks in some cases and yeah you know we have all the facilities all the cnc machines we have our engineers there at, at their computers we have everyone you know, thinking about the right things in the right environment to try and develop the cars and move forward. And, um, you know, when you just don't have that environment and you're working out of, for example, the the family farm that we're in in New South Wales for a period there, it's not quite obviously the same environment that some of the Queensland teams have had. So it affects how you go racing, how you develop your cars. And, yeah, as, as I said, with our new engines, we would have liked to put more effort, I guess, into that. But um, in saying that, it hasn't been... Um, you know, a disaster that we didn't do that um, because they did such
1: a good job developing them to start. Mate, despite the dramas, you're less than a hundred points out of the top 10 in the championship. So it strikes me that there's really something to strive for over, not just this next weekend at the Bend, but the big one at Mount Panorama and a couple of really good results. And you could find yourself in the 10, which I would have thought given everything that the team's been through that you just documented and, let alone the program in, in throwing the Mustang deal together at the start of the year. I mean, that would be an outstanding result for 2020. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because we're actually in the
2: 10 all the way up until that four week block and yeah. we're looking forward to moving, you know, hopefully forward and we we tremendously backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it sort of had the very opposite effect to what we wanted and we were left pretty devastated. I think I was sixth, ended up 15th or 16th me and Rick in the championship and, um, Yeah, so you sort of get a bit demoralised by that. But yeah, for sure now, we really made some good ground last weekend. And I think there's no reason we can't go well this weekend and Bathurst because they're similar tracks, really nice, smooth, fast, high aero tracks. So yeah, definitely the top 10 is the goal. And I think considering what we've had to go through this year, um, that's a really, really good outcome.
1: Well, that was going to be my next point about the big one on the mountain in a couple of weeks' time. Given the pace you you, you guys have got on fast-flowing circuits, there's not many more fast and flowing than Mount Panorama, Andre. So you must be going there, going. Gee, we should have a pretty decent package when you get to Bathurst.
2: Yeah, hopefully. And traditionally, I go pretty well there. The last you year, do. and was um, was humming around there. Yeah, Listening and hum. So um, yeah, it was um, it was very positive for us, and we 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 sort of obviously didn't get the result we wanted, but. Going this year, I think I've obviously been announced that Dylan O'Keefe's driving with me and I think he's a good young talent. I think he's underrated um, as far as you know, a driver goes. And I raced him in career cup and he was actually you know, very good. He'd give me a good run for my money sometimes, beat me yeah. obviously sometimes and didn't make any silly mistakes. Was always sort of on the road and, and using his head. So I think that's going to um, you know be good for me. I think I've done well in the past. Obviously, I had people like Aaron Russell and Bryce and... All that sort of stuff. So there's no reason that we can't slot him into our program and um, sort of coach him along. So he, he's a good, a good co-driver for me. But yeah, um, definitely not over yet. Very excited for Bathurst. It's always, it's always a sort of a, a season in its own, I guess, that brought up to it and the race and everything.
0: So yeah, it's, it's going to be good. Take us through that co-driver process, Andre. You were, I think, the last driver to sign a co-driver with, uh, with Dylan. Is there a reason why you couldn't get anyone before that? And is there a reason why it was left for so late?
2: Um, Well, no particular reason, I guess. It's not some strategy that we thought would work or something like that. It's more just, you know, we've been flat out. Todd's been enormously busy, Um, you know, he's sleeping at the workshop trying to build the engines and everything. And he drives a lot of these decisions. So obviously our attention has been taken elsewhere. And then when this COVID thing hit, we didn't even know if we're going to go back racing. So what's the point? going and trying to find a co-driver when you know it looked like for a while we wouldn't be going back racing and the team would be shut down and all that sort of stuff and our sponsors were leaving or you know whatever whatever situation happens throughout all the teams because you don't know what's happening so then that got put on the back burner and then when we came back racing it wasn't even confirmed that we were going to do Bathurst um you know it it only got confirmed a little while ago that we're actually going to do it so then then you get serious about okay well um you know we we'll, we have to try and find someone, and we sort of just took that risk and concentrated on other things a bit. And um, I think it's worked out well in the end. It's not something I think we regret waiting for. I think we sort of just waited and played played our time, and um, yeah, managed to get a good driver.
1: No, and Dylan's a solid young guy. Like you mentioned, that I think that year you raced him in Carrera Cup was he was pretty early in his cup car career, and, and since then he's built more Porsche experience, this season in the TCR cars. So. And, of course, the season in Super 2 as well with JRM, So he's got some good good miles now. So I reckon that's a pretty good addition. And Darwood in the sister car with Rico, that's a, another good get. So, um, yeah, really strong two-car program. just want to go back to last weekend, mate. The, um, the, the, the first two races that weekend were intense. Um, just walk me through what you were thinking in that first race on Saturday in particular. And there's this freight train of six or seven cars, a couple of them completely out on their feet, with no rubber left and some of them blazing through um, I mean what was that like it was as intense a supercar race as we've seen certainly all season and if not for a few more than that
2: yeah it was very interesting because no one knew what was going to happen so ideally in a race, a race like that I guess you want to pit as early as you can because the degradation is so low but no one expected there to be a blistering that there was so luckily for us we just happened to stumble across a setup that looked after the rear tires nicely so we didn't have that issue as much as other people but unfortunately as you said some people were leading and then their tires blew up then another person was leading and then their tires blew up so for me it was it was very strange i was coming about seventh i'm like okay this is all right and then you know, I just kept on moving up the field as people kept like falling off and people battling, getting spun out, and all sorts of stuff. So it was definitely an intense race, um, and I think that the other two were very similar, the, especially the the second one um, yeah. was the same. We had Chaz obviously leading, and then his tires blowing up, and um, and a few different passes and all sorts of stuff. So. Yeah, the racing on the weekend. I felt uh, obviously I'm a driver and I went well, wow, so I'm always going to lie. <laughs> but I thought the racing myself was actually very good. And you know, people say, "Ah, uh, you know that they should make it. They should make it so you can drive as fast as you can, and all, all that sort of stuff." But we are at the end of the day in the in the business of entertainment, and um, you know, it, it still requires skill from the team and the drivers to make the tires last. Um, so it's still a skill based thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was good.
0: Is there The difference between what you're driving this year and what you had last year, the Mustang at its best, and you probably got it at that point on the weekend that we just had, compare that to the Nissan at its best. Are they similar cars or are they just miles apart?
2: Well, I I always explained it as that in the Nissan when I did the lap of the gods that, you know, everything linked together and, you know, we thought that was that I could be, you know, fourth, third or around that sort of placing and then obviously we've seen this year when we get the, the Mustang going we can actually be on pole and um, you know be right up the front and like that on the weekend our car was genuinely fast not so much in qualifying trim we saw a wee bit off in that but in race trim it was extremely fast but to answer your question um, uh, we think it's that sort of next step we really needed to unlock to get to that really the front of the, the grid.
0: And On that, we've spoken to you every year for the last few years about a whole lot of range of things. And we go back to the dramas that you had back with Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport and how that was affecting you mentally and and all that sort of stuff. Compared to where you are now, the difference in you as a person is your confidence just at an absolute sort of sky-high situation at the moment compared to the last five or six years? Knowing that you go into a race weekend... Actually, competitive, and, and that's probably one of the few times, as you said, that it's actually happened to you. Yeah, well, you, you say
2: that, but three weeks ago, I qualified 20th. So <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't too confident back then, but I know what you mean. I have the underlying confidence now, I guess you could say, that I can do it, I've done it. Um, you know, the only thing I'm missing now is a race win and I'm sure that will, that time will come. But yeah, definitely confidence is a lot more when you haven't done it before and you know, you're in an LVM car, obviously the, the motivation's hard to come by. But yeah, I've, I've fought hard to get where I am now. And um, yeah, I think I'm sort of proving my worth, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a bit cruel, mate, that they were rolling out some stats this week after the weekend about number of podiums without a race win and where you sit in history with that. I think, mate, you're 25. It's a bit early to be rolling that stat out, (laughs) I think. it's Give the bloke a chance to grab a win. It's got to be around the corner, surely. Um, Turn your attention to this week. It's a rare thing in supercars that we go to the same venue but race on fundamentally different tracks. And the West Circuit is very different to the international. Uh, What's your take? How do you think this is going to play out this weekend on a, a very, very different layout to what we saw last weekend?
2: Yeah, well, I actually think it's fairly similar, isn't it? It just cuts out half the track and you've got a big tight hairpin, isn't it? Yeah, it
1: gets, yeah, it gets rid of all of the fast stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so all the stuff that was causing your tires grief on the weekend will disappear. Well, well it's going to be
2: interesting, um, of course. It's going to be a very short lap, I think. I, I don't know what the predicted lap time will be, about a minute or around that. So it's going to be, te- you know, not quite Tasmania times, but very short, very fast. Um, I think that, that um, shortcut that uh, makes up the West Circuit is actually going to be it's going to be some action there because yeah. it's it, you're coming off a fast flowing corner into an extremely tight corner that's wide um, and and so many different lines you can take into there um, people are going to be locking up you know banging into each other I think we're going to see a few bent bonnets on the first lap so it's going to create um, some good racing I think and hopefully some good passing opportunities.
1: It's like Honda at Phillip Island you come out of turn, uh, turn four down the hill there at Phillip Island and into the big braking zone. It's very, very similar to that. You have to get your car across to the other side of the road coming out of turn five. So yeah, she's, she's going to be wild for, for reference, Josh Keane, actually, who I'm not sure if you raced against Josh, but um, spent some time in super two. He's got the lap record on the West circuit at a 110 flat in a footwork formula one car. Oh, so uh, <laughs> you, yeah, I, I'm going to tip 14s or 15s I would have thought but uh, maybe a little bit maybe a little bit slower
0: final one for you mate uh, this weekend coming up and then you've got a couple of weeks heading into Bathurst First of all do you know your schedule between the end of this weekend and what happens for you heading up to Bathurst and then what are you most looking forward to once Bathurst is done and dusted?
2: Yeah, well, as far as the schedule goes, I'm actually staying in Adelaide, so we'll stay here, Um, and I've got a few mates here, and I've set up a bit of a training hub, I guess you could say, so I'll be probably staying somewhere near Glen and trying to train and do boxing and Pilates and all that sort of stuff, just to prepare myself, and I think Bryce Ford will be joining me as well, obviously, we have the same trainer, and we get on very well there, so... um, That's sort of what we'll be doing. And um, yeah, after it all, um, I've actually planned to go back to New Zealand for for three months. So um, just to see my family and sort of reset and um, spend a bit of time there. I guess, you know, the world's a crazy place at the moment. So there's nothing like going home and seeing your family. And um, New Zealand's a pretty pleasant place at the moment. There's not many restrictions (laughs) and, you know, very little threat of, of, of things
0: escalating. So I think it could definitely be worse. No, mate, we wish you all the best. Uh, come the end of the season and that break that everyone is going to so much deserve, not just yourself, but everyone who's been involved in supercars over the last four or five months. Congratulations on the year so far. It's uh, as you said, it's had its ups and downs, but uh, really positive outlook for Kelly racing and good luck heading into Bathurst, mate.
2: All no right, Thank you.
0: Andre Heimgartner joining us here on the grid. <laughs> All right, Crousey, time to welcome this bloke into the chat as we do every second week. Mark Walker from theracetalk.com. Hello, Mark. Baxter, Crousey, a tiny amount to talk about. There was a bit going on
3: there, wasn't there? <laughs> you seem to enjoy yourself, Mr. Crousey. Oh, you were absolutely intolerable. It was very hard oh. to be sitting at home listening to you just rabbit on about how great car racing is. I was well,
1: sick you- of
0: it. Sick of it, I was.
1: You wait till next weekend when I'm back on the television. That'll be even better.
0: (laughs) I'll tell you what. you become the first person from the race talk crew Mm. on the grid crew to actually go to three supercar meetings this year.
1: Well, I haven't got to the next one yet. So, um, unless you you went to to Adelaide,
0: you went to the Grand Prix. Yeah. Okay. The bend. So you've been to three. The majority of us have been to two.
1: Yeah. Zero. And, and look, look, Legally, <laughs> I could zero. legally I could go to Bathurst as well because they're opening the borders with New uh, South Wales, that, to they yeah. as well? But I I don't think it's on the cards, unfortunately. Um, no, look, boys, it was um, I genuinely felt quite privileged to be there, and I understand the circumstances and and everything, and it it was really really cool. Um, not entirely dissimilar to a, a stock standard round. Some areas were noticeably different the paddock was fenced off it's never been fenced off at the bend before it's always been an open paddock but with the the supercars bubble um i just used inverted commas there and realized it was a podcast um that 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 was a thing and and everyone was roped off so still no access to the paddock um for from a media point of view especially though i think i saw some punters in there at some point I, i don't know if that was allowed or not but either way um but outside of that terrific crowd, especially on Sunday basking in some wonderful spring weather and just simple stuff, like lots of ticket checks, making sure that people are in the area where they're ticketed to be for that contact uh, tracing thing. Um, everyone had like a mobile ticket. So that was texted to you and you log in and, and that's your pass, even those with accreditation. So they didn't scan your hard card. It was that it's all those little contact tracing things that are in place now, but, aside from that, it was pretty seamless. And and I thought it was a really well executed event. Crowd was outstanding, helped by the weather. We'll come to the racing product in a minute, but you wouldn't know that three weeks ago that event didn't exist at all. Um, and I think that's the biggest testament you can give to the bend crew and also supercars for the show that they put on. So no terrific stuff, boys, you forget how lucky we are to do what we do. And, um, how privileged we are to follow the, this sport and, and supercars in particular. When you're standing about halfway down the 24 car field and they roll into place, the green flag goes at the back, and then they sit there and crash on the rev limiter, ready for the start. And you feel it vibrating up through the handrails on the balustrade and the balcony where I was standing. You miss that after six months away from it. You forget how quite impactful our sport is from a, a visceral nature. So, um, that was what I took out of it. It was tremendous. And the, uh, the racing was just a side effect of that.
3: Yeah. You mentioned the, uh, operative word there, crash. <laughs> the old <laughs> yes. chrome horn got brought out there Didn't with it? all the leading contenders.
1: Good grief. Oh. What was going on? What did they have for breakfast? On it? So good, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, so, so Saturday race boys, I mean, give me your take. I, I I stood out on the balcony of where the media center is near pit entry in, and i watched the whole thing from out there. Didn't want to be watching a telly. I wanted to see it live. Soak it all in. You can see a bunch of the racetrack from there. Um, the tension was just awesome. Really, really good. It was one of those races where you could feel it in the air, both from all the punters at the circuit, but from the teams in the garages as well. And the intensity of some of those pit stops above where I was at the Lower end of pit lane, I was standing above Matt Stone Racing. Even then, when they'd roll in and look at their rear tyres, as soon as they came off the car, you could see like a visible shrug of their shoulders going, oh no, we're in a world of pain here. Um, man, the, the, the tension was great. And then it built and built and built to that t- last 10 laps when you had that amazing freight train of cars running line astern. Um, for the final. And then they all teed off and crashed into each other. And oh, it was, yeah, awesome. Really cool. So the tyre thing, going back to the test day, mm.
3: it was mentioned at the time on the soft tyre, it will blister around there. If you don't have the setup right and treat the tyres right, they will blister. They mm. knew that in yep. February. Yep. It wasn't news. Yep. It was on the cards. I put it in the preview last week. Hundred percent. Someone dumb like me can figure that out. Surely all the well-paid people up and down pit lane should have been able to have a bit of an idea that that was on the cards. Anyway, it happened. It's uh, added to the show and it was uh, that was really good. You had that stack on the first corner, uh, wind cup into McLaughlin. Yeah. I could not believe that happened. I'm mm. half in a daze with it happening in front of me on the TV, and I could not believe it. It absolutely happened. It was brilliant. And then McLaughlin came and did the same thing to. Uh, Holdsworth later on in the race and that was the thing, you had this freight train and now they go, oh, you know, overtakings impossible because of the error. It's just because it's so line ball to make a move stick mm. and if it doesn't stick, if you're not 100% right, you're going to cop a 15 second penalty like those guys did. Yeah. So what, what do you do? Do you absolutely stuff it up the inside, cop the 15 second penalty? You wind up finishing nowhere like they did.
0: Yeah. The I think Andre, Andre was very, good before when he mentioned that in that first race, he was sitting around about seventh and he, he was content with that. He mm. thought that's where he was going to be. And then he said, just cars kept on dropping off all around me. Mm. And that gave him the opportunity, obviously, to get up to fourth. And that was obviously the situation for a lot of them.
1: Yeah, true story. But, uh, but the the cup mclaughlin thing didn't surprise me at all. And, and watching it as they come out of turn 15, up the hill there to 16 and down the hill to 17, you could see Scotty was struggling and Jamie had a really big run I'm not surprised that they came together. That, that, it's been brewing and brewing over the last couple of rounds. We've talked about it. We love it. it it's tremendous. The McLaughlin on Holdsworth thing surprised the hell out of me because that mm. didn't strike me as no, a Scotty move. And, and he didn't need to take that yeah. risk because he would have got Holdsworth Correct. four corners later. He had so much more car speed the way he was plowing through the field. And you could see the car behavior that his was just better and he would have got there. So I know Scotty wasn't happy with the penalty. I know he thought it was a marginal move. But I'm okay with 15 seconds for that because it just wasn't going to stick. And um, I was surprised that he put himself in that position um, after such a good recovery, dragging his way back into podium contention after a mighty drive, despite the dramas on the opening lap um, towards the the finish of the opening lap there. So, yeah, that, that was more of a surprise than the wink up, Scotty thing for mine.
3: So also in that race where uh, Jack LeBrock finished second, he was yeah. on for a win. He had a car that was capable of winning. And if he, uh, and if he drove it like an old veteran, he probably would have won it and a couple times there. He just got sucked it into the wrong, you know, he, the thing with him on the outside is that SVG was on the inside and broke early. Yeah. gave him no option. He had nowhere to go. Like he mm. wasn't, he didn't mean to do that, but that's what happened. And he wound up finishing second out of all that mess. But still that was good because there's a lot of doubters after that win at Eastern Creek. You know, City Municipal Park, people were saying that, oh, you know, it was a gimme with the tyres. He's really going to go out there and show what he's, if he's capable. He mm. showed that there that he was capable of boxing with the best of them. So he didn't get the result that he probably could have gotten, probably deserved, but uh, he still did a, a really good job to finish second for the day. I love he was pissed off about it. Yeah,
1: he like, was. Smoking and chatting to AJ Jonesy after the race going, oh, you know, I'm happy to be second, but I'm really angry I didn't win. That's great because hmm. um, it means he's a legitimate shot at doing it. Um, I spoke to Jack for NTI Inside the Series, um, Inside Race Week. You can check that out on the Truck Assist and um, TRT social media channels this week. Um, and yeah, he, he said the same thing. Like, next time around, the elbows go out a bit wider. He, he will fight for that. And that's tremendous. That's all part of the learning for a young driver. Bryce forward on the podium. How good was Great. that? What a terrific result for a guy we've been talking up all season long. And also Fabian with a win and a weekend yes. win. What's going on there? Contract it, time. Did,
3: was it just a case of Jamie teeing off and then everyone teeing off? If if they need someone to bash Fabian before a race meeting so he goes, well, I'll do it. Just put me on the line. I will take cash money and I will give him a character reference every day of the week if it means that it goes out there and wins. Is that what it took? Because he, it sort of came from nowhere. Like he was yeah. the man there in the weekend. He was very, he drove great. Well yeah. done. He deserved it. But uh, where's it been? Where you been, bro? Yeah, Yeah,
0: exactly. And I'll tell you what the other other thing too also for that race was the amount of positions that were picked up by the top half a dozen or so cars. Coulthard picked up four positions to finish first. Jack LeBrock picked up five. Bryce Ford picked up 10 spots. Heimgartner, six. Waters, six. Rick Kelly, two. And Scott Pye in seventh picked up 10 as well.
1: Yeah, just a casual 10 spots for Scotty who continues to pass more cars than... Anybody in the championship, but then but if you go good to acing. that's oh, No, 100%. Doing. It yeah. is, she And anyone who goes, Oh, you've got to qualify and pole to win a supercar race now is, is kidding themselves because absolutely do not. But you look at the guys in the top five in the championship, all had shockers. So Scotty leading the points at 14th, um, Wink Up 18th, Cam Waters 5th, nah, solid okay, in the fight, SVG 9th after falling off the cliff at the end there, and Chas at 11th yeah. after starting from pole. Didn't WAU yeah. not have race pace in that car? Um, great qualifying form, really pleased for them. Thing was awful on its tyres in the race, and they went backwards. an 11th, 11th, and 16th in the three races for Chaz does not make a P3 in the championship, which is clearly what they're shooting for, especially with Fabian coming on form, Van Gisbergen in feisty form, and Cam Waters going along nicely.
3: Now, you were on this program two episodes ago and said they'll never run this race on this track well, again. Yeah. Didn't you stuff that up there, little fella? That was no good because that was some great racing on the weekend, yeah. like on that layout. And how about the three wide? Yeah. With, with Andre. Move of, the year. Move of the year. Um, and, and, no, but, I, but hang on, the arrow's stuffed, mate. You can't do this. You can't race like that because I the arrow's no good. No, but everyone else is out there yeah. rabbiting on about how the arrow's stuffed.
1: No, correct. I agree with you on that. No, look, I made, that was a silly call. 100%. Um, I, what, I, what I have been consistent on for two years is that they needed to run the soft tire on that track. The moment they rolled out there in 2018 at the first round, and we'd already come off the back of a Shannon's round with GT three cup challenge with Porsches on a really sticky Michelin and we saw the racing product. The moment they rolled out that first round, it was like, no, nah, they've got to be on the soft. They have to be on the soft tire at that track, just the layout, the nature of that circuit suited so GT style car with front grip. So I'll call, I'll, I'll give myself a point for that. I'll take it all off for saying I'll never run that late again because um, I'll be more than happy for them to go back on it. Imagine an Enduro on the soft tyre on that. They'll be pit stopping every 15 laps. Um, you'd have to up the tyre allocation by 20. But I, I'm still really, really intrigued for this weekend. And we can come to that later on. Um, it, it's about 25 cars wide going into turn six and about two wide on the exit. So she's going to be really interesting down at the hairpin in there. Um, on the West Circuit this weekend. So it'll be a completely different style of racing.
3: So Kelly Racing, they were quick at the test day at the start of the year with Andre. They were quick at Sydney Motorsport Park, a similar sort of style circuit. Uh, they had a double podium when we first went here in 2018. So the team obviously know a little bit of the secret sauce around there, and they did a really good job. Rico looked pretty quick at uh, at times as well. So mm. that should bode well for them this weekend.
0: Yeah, it certainly Maybe. should. I hear that Kelly Racing are trying to get Philip Island back onto the... <laughs> calendar yes. as well just to give them another fast flowing free circuit that they cool. might do alright
1: at. They always went well there in the Datsuns so um, yeah, yeah that, that would be good but as we just talked about with Andre Heingartner, Mount Panorama, it, there's no more fast flowing circuit than that on our calendar so that's that's going to be really good for those cars. I, just on the tyre thing it was really interesting and um, I had a, a great chat with Kevy Fitzsimmons who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's one of the sport's terrific human beings um, and he was he was perfectly fine with what happened Saturday and Sunday. And um, it was interesting that everyone noted that the teams, so at the test day, everyone was given a set of softs to test that they had to give back. So it wasn't counted towards their allocation for the year. They couldn't use it as a marked tire in practice in Adelaide or anything like that. Um, the teams that went and did long runs at that test day on the soft tire were all of the teams at the front of race 25 on Saturday.
0: There you go. So testing,
1: testing equals results, even if it's eight yeah. months apart.
0: And then Sunday, uh, two similar races, I suppose, in the the the, the big guns fired up again,
1: mm.
0: except for Jamie. Yeah, yeah, he had a shocker, didn't he? Uh, that, that was really disappointing, not just for Jamie and for Triple Eight, but for the championship.
1: So, uh, I mean, Scott Scott wins the championship this weekend. I, I'm going to call it now. He's got to find. You know what? he He's got he to pull eighty five plus give or take a few points over Jamie in three races um, and if he unloads with the kind of form he had in that final race when he was unbeatable um, he, he'll he do it by race two on Sunday um, yeah. and it, it's again we go back boys to that hit or miss triple eight they're, they're either on and really on or they're, they're nowhere the they're little errors, the pit stop drama that cost him, Shane's tyre dig in race one on the weekend it, it's really really strange and that's what's rolling McLaughlin towards his third straight championship and there's every chance he could do it this weekend and I think he'll be pretty keen to do that just to take all the pressure off Bathurst and shoot for a great race win.
3: And on things Scotty, how good is that IndyCar being locked in? That's a good thing. Thank God that he's finally getting a chance to go over there Uh, he's been able to get a haul pass a leaf pass from the southern hemisphere to go race over (laughs) there. Uh, So that should be really interesting and He's a homegrown V8 talent. Like, we've had guys go over there and race someone one-offs, like a Jason Ryder or a Dave Bernard from V8s, but they've done a, a certain level of the ladder in the open wheeler stuff over there. But uh, he's got a, straight from V8s. It's all he's ever done. And he'll be out there racing IndyCars, which I reckon is rad.
0: And I see uh, Shane Van Gisbergen also doing a bit of rally driving. We mentioned that in the news earlier on over New Zealand in November, which is great for him. Uh, you know, follows in the footsteps of Dad.
1: He'll race a wheelbarrow though, Shabeks. if you give him an opportunity. So yeah, yeah, but, and good, we heard from Andre before that he's going to go back to NZ and spend three months over there. So uh, I'm sure a lot of the Kiwis um, are looking forward to heading back by the way. What was it? One, two, three, four uh, Kiwis on the weekend. Do we, do we dare talk about that? I know we, we have some on the grid listeners over there across the ditch. (laughs) eh? (laughs)
3: Righto. Hey, uh, one that's come up in the news this week is the GRM wildcard there and Nathan Hearn getting knocked back I flagged it on the social medias the other Mm -hmm. week that uh, what's the deal with the super licence like we've got the super licence in place you've got to do a certain number of things to qualify to earn a start and vowed supercars and Nathan was nowhere but they persisted with the entry and it seems like there's going to be a fight now between Gary and motorsport Australia that I can't really see Gary winning because but there's Nathan no fight just, to have.
0: He, he roo, just, roo, he's roo. never he's
3: never driven a V8 supercar before on any level. Like it's, it's not going to work. You can't, Correct. Pe- people have rolled into supercars. Like you look at some of these wildcards in recent years, like the Rossi and uh, Hinchcliffe won last year. And obviously, Simona De Silvestro. but they'd race Indy cars before. They've raced all sorts of things. They've, participate in F1 testing and all this sort of caper, like they're Mm. very well credentialed drivers who'd have at least a test day under that up their sleeve before they got to Bathurst but uh, yeah strange times
0: I think Motorsport Australia saved Gary Rogers Motorsport $400,000
1: well yeah unfortunately it's $400,000 they want to spend the interesting thing for mine and and, and unless the rules have changed I, I googled this earlier on today so you need 13 points over five years before you get a cams super license. So for winning the Kumo series, super three as the Fiend did, it's five points to get into that. Um, so I'm, I'm Brock Feeney is the the example that's been cited. So he has been given one yep. so he can make his start alongside James Courtney. So I'm just, I'm trying to work out where Brock's points have come from, whether they've just gone, from an exemption point of view okay the fact you've you've run that super three car um you might not have enough points but you've showed the capability of doing the job in a supercar at a high level that's why they're giving them the exemption
3: and he's been racing all year and he's been doing the super two stuff he's probably got more race miles than anyone in australia outside of the the main game supercars guys so i I think you'd let that one slip
1: yeah it's it's an interesting thing isn't it and i know it's got a lot of critics but formula one has proved it and the system works. It's in place for a reason to, yeah. to raise the standard. And Bathurst has changed. It's not a race anymore where all comers can rock up in a privateer car and run. It's just the nature of the beast. The event has changed over the years. There are other races at Mount Panorama in which you can do that yeah. um, and build yourself up to getting a start in the great race. So, um, yeah, I, I think... I, I don't know where I stand on this, but I'm I'm of the opinion that if the rules there, you should probably abide by it, and I I don't mind it being enforced. Um, and there are plenty of other young drivers that Gary could give an opportunity to to jump in alongside Tyler Everingham to run that car and be competitive. So give Nathan a year, pop back next year, brilliant. Um, there are plenty of other young blokes or girls out there that could um, could do the job that that would qualify. Jade, no Jada. Like, yeah, give, give the juice a shot for, for a starter. That would be the first one off the top of my hit list.
0: Mm, yeah, no, spot on. Uh, next year, guys, and I was thinking about this during the week, I seriously want to see supercars continue down the format line that they've gone with 2020. I don't want to see them go back to a normal calendar and normal racing that we've had before. This has been exciting, compact, really good stuff over the last three months, four months. And I think that supercars could do it really well. They could even extend the season if they wanted to and go back to a couple of tracks and have back-to-back weekends as they've done here. But just really be open-minded at the end of this year about how 2021 is going to look.
1: I'm not sure the back, I I agree with you the the back-to-back thing is a challenge because there's more of a cost involved in that week in between and accommodation and all the bits and pieces. So that that's probably not feasible, but certainly from a format point of view, I reckon they've. Absolutely the thing with that, Krowsie, no though, say. is
0: hopefully we're we're opened up a bit more than what we are there, and guys yeah, could go it, home on the Sunday night and come back on the Thursday.
1: Yeah, you can, but then you're travelling someone twice in two weeks for no real reason. I, the yeah. back-to-back thing is force majeure; that it was done because they had to do it to yeah, get the I races in that. this year. So, part of what Supercars DNA is, and what they've been very very focused on, is making sure they're a national championship. So. Tasmania, WA have to come back on the calendar for them. Of course, the Victorian events are hugely important. So I I don't think the doubleheader thing will happen. This has proved that it does work and it's been really good. But um, at the three events so far, there's been a doubleheader. The second week crowd hasn't been as strong. It's hard to get punters back. And there's a support category question back in normal times um, to get supports for the second week. So there are a bunch of issues around that. What I think has worked is the format. The two-day thing is great. You don't need bulk practice. We've proved that time and time again yep. this year. Um, ditch the rubbish qualifying session. We've got the only floor I think has been that two-stage elimination into a top 15 shootout. We've proved with Townsville that that, that that doesn't need to be a thing. Get rid of that. But the three-race thing for mine works how good's that punters track get three race starts instead of two the races are an hour each it hasn't hurt the tv ratings at all this year in terms of like for like against all the other sports um short sharp action-packed races the the word fuel drop hasn't appeared in the lexicon all season which is just great so we don't need to worry about that rubbish save the refueling for the endurance races later in the year events like tail and bend darwin that that's the format and the two day thing. Great. I did did not miss a Friday of meaningless practice last weekend. And I will not miss it this weekend either. Absolutely. It just, it ticks a lot of boxes for what they've done this year.
0: So obviously we're going to have supports back next year. Would you have the Friday as qualifying practice and all that for supports on the Friday? Yeah, you could do that on the Saturday and Sunday.
1: You could do that, Shebex, um, to keep your number of support categories up because there's a financial component involved in having a support category at your event. So if you're a promoter like the Bend on the weekend, the more supports you can get to fit your track time is more bottom line. And there's a story on that on the racetalk.com that we wrote uh, last year, I think from memory, detailing those costs. So yeah, you could run Friday for the support categories. Supercars guys don't need to be there. Mm. run them for the support categories, do all their practice and qualifying. get it out the way. So they can just launch into racing Saturday and Sunday, finish them by midday Sunday and end with a, with your supercar race on Sunday afternoon for your TV. Great.
3: And on channel seven, that's what everyone's saying.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, it is. And the numbers there too, are quite interesting uh, in regards to the contract deal, $8 million less than the last contract with 10 and Fox. So that's not a bad result.
1: No, I think that's a very good deal. Shabek's there. The the number I've heard bandied around is somewhere in the mid one nineties over yeah. the five years, down from two forty one for the for the last deal. Um, so eight part?
0: million eight million a year is what yeah, I mean. Yeah, so yeah. Time's which which time is not for a bad five. result.
1: Yeah, no, great. But was the last contract six years?
0: No, five.
1: It was five. It was five. Okay. Oh, uh, was it? No, twenty Oh it six. It was done in fourteen. Oh, yeah. Could oh, no. Six, it was done in, no, done in 14 for 15 Started 15, 15 didn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, five years.
1: So, so either way, in these current times, it is, yeah, six. Either way, <laughs> it's a good deal, I think, for supercars. And um, the Finn Review <laughs> ran it. How good are we with maths,
0: eh? i no, just trying to We're work uh, it out. I haven't got enough fingers.
1: <laughs> for those of you, this is a audio podcast. Um, there are three supposedly semi intelligent people trying to count on their fingers. Um, Here for that last couple of minutes Anyway um, The Fin Review reporting this week That it'll likely be on 7mate And 7plus, the streaming service Which ticks all the boxes again Um, You'll get the inevitable few punters That will bitch and moan about the fact it's on mate And not the primary channel It doesn't matter, everybody can get 7mate It's just not a factor And and people have figured it out now Like back in
3: 2012 People hadn't quite figured out That you could keep dialing down the Down the slider there
0: yeah. And you know what? Seven mates HD, even yeah, better. It is. Yeah, exactly right. Fantastic. Then the normal seven station, isn't So you've got better quality, folks. Yeah.
1: So so there's a real chance that you'll get, you know, the six marquee events is what they're talking about on free-to-air. Um, potential of some other races throughout the year, maybe the Saturday races or a Sunday race on mate. But then you'll get six or seven ARG events on mate throughout the course of the year as well. So TCR, S5000, TCM. I would put money on the fact there'll be some crossover between the two of them. Now they're all on the same network, which was always a sticking point. So I think it's tremendous. And, and if they get this deal over the line, this is a huge legacy for Sean Seamer and his team to, to leave after a really challenging time. If, if that's the deal, what a massive outcome given what's going on. We've seen what's going on with cricket footy mm. and rugby have taken an enormous haircut this year and for their next period of their rights. Yeah. So um, it's actually a pretty good outcome for our sport.
3: The other one that we've sort of broken here in the race talk, a hundred touring car championship slash supercar races in South Australia coming up this Sunday morning. Yeah. Pretty good stats. And good start. you go back over the years, there's been some rad races in that 100. They've split between Malala, Adelaide International, Adelaide Parklands, near the bend, and there's been some really good memories from all of them.
1: I was counting. I reckon I've been to 40 maybe. Between Malala in the nineties, so the the last four at Malala in the nineties I was at and then I've been to All Bar one Adelaide five hundred. So um yeah, actually this it could be more than that. So Gary
0: O'Brien's been to ninety eight. No well yeah, we
1: well, the only ones <laughs>
0: the You're only ones last week and this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, correct. So uh, poor, poor bugger. Get out of gas in Sydney. But um yeah, it's cool. The history is fantastic, isn't it? Um, AIR is a forgotten component, Adelaide International, of the South Australian touring car heritage. But, gee, there were some good races there. And, and Mark, a, you, you picked it out, the three-wide rolling start. Crazy. Absolutely yeah.
3: insane. Bob Jane was off his rocker. Like, yeah. you, <laughs> yeah. like Indianapolis in a touring car race at AIR. Yeah. But you go back to the early 70s, you had uh, Moffat's off-track dramas. You yeah. know, car got stolen. Car got stolen from the paddock on Saturday night. Mm. And it got, got found later and old mate went to jail. But then two years later, his transporter caught fire going through the Adelaide Hills. Yep. So, and yep. he still won the weekend in a borrowed car.
1: Yep. Well, I don't want to, I'm the biggest promoter for South Australia, as you know, but uh, don't stolen leave, cars. Don't leave your car unlocked. <laughs> don't leave your car unlocked in the Northern suburbs. That's a,
3: oh, a hot tip. Hang on. You've had a car stolen in South Australia, haven't you?
0: If <laughs> it was in the north. Yeah, suburbs. You haven't lived
1: if you haven't. <laughs> It wasn't that far from A.I.R. <laughs> That's my six degrees of separation with Alan Moffat. <laughs> it was nice. the ice hour too.
0: Hey, uh, just before we head off, guys, I'll just get you all. We heard Dale's report earlier on in regards to uh, the Le Mans 24-hour race. You'll wrap up on that, boys? Uh,
1: to be honest, you bet, I didn't see a huge amount of it because I was I was I had a bit on with the supercars out the weekend but um, and having a, a tremendous weekend. But yeah, um, Yeah, interesting. Uh, To be honest, I think the biggest story is that Porsche has pulled half their entries for Nürburgring this weekend because of a bout of COVID going through the team. So um, clearly there's been some real dramas that involves their own Matt Campbell, who was second in the LMGTE AM class, um, who's been parked for the Nürburgring. So whatever the FIA and ACO's protocols were, there's been a slip up somewhere within that group uh, over the course of the weekend, which is a a bit of concern. But uh, Toyota won again. Um, you'd expect that. The Rebellions did a good job and my wish of an LNP2 car winning didn't happen. So, um, that's where we're at.
3: Uh, my big thing this week, uh, I'm obviously a big NASCAR fan, is the yeah. news about the new team formed. Bubba Wallace driving, Denny yeah. Hamlin, minority drive, uh, minority partner, and the major partner owner of the team will be Michael Jordan. His anus. His
0: wow. What a combo. Is that? that is a great combo.
3: Like are Bubba's bringing about $20 million worth of sponsorship just because of all the mm. st- circus that's been going around with Bubba this year. He's picked up a lot of backers from a lot of different corners. He's bringing that money with him. Then you're going to have Michael Jordan, who you're going to be able to wheel into a boardroom. Yes. It's like, hey, we want some money. Uh, he, yeah, here you go, Mr. <laughs> Certainly. Jordan.
1: Certainly. No problems.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Like, even if he just walks into Nike and go, can I just have a couple of zeros to put on a NASI? Yeah, whatever, mate. Just, <laughs> yeah. just take it. Who cares? Yeah. Unbelievable. That's a really good thing for the sport over there. So uh, I want to see how that happens. It'll be a well-funded thing. It'll wind up being, I imagine, like the old uh, furniture row racing, like a a customer Joe Gibbs operation with all the good kits. So I expect Bubba to do good things. It'll be a a thing that's worth watching and he should be
1: able to win races in it. Yeah. That's a mega story, isn't it? What a, what a great bit of news. Fantastic. Uh, Michael Jordan, just, it's hard to believe that he's involved, isn't it? I mean, but what, what what would be the Shebex, You're the broad sports guy. What would be the Aussie equivalent here, like Steve War?
0: Oh no, <laughs> uh, probably uh, probably a Greg Norman. Oh yeah, that's fair. As as an international international superstar. No one, yeah, yeah, okay, but
3: like. With Michael Jordan, he's been a race fan all his life. This has, isn't just yeah. something, you know, he used to ride his push bike to NASCAR shops and watch them work on their race cars and stuff midweek. Like, well, he's
1: a Carolinas boy. He, so, yeah. yeah, in the heart of the heart of NASCAR. And,
3: and he's, he's race motorcycles and all sorts. So he's a rev head and he loves it. And he's been friends with Denny Hamlin for a long time now. Mm. And, and Denny's been managed by Michael Jordan's agency. So uh, there's a lot of tie-ins there and it all works out.
1: All right, boys.
0: Um, well done. Not, Not, yeah, sorry, yeah, B-
1: biggest potential for a major drama in 2021. Um, Nashville IndyCar race, running over a bridge two ways. Mm. Um, is this wow. where we see uh, an IndyCar in the drink? Or... Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. I don't want to wish it on them. Don't get me wrong. The track looks but, epic. Like, it's going to be amazing for racing. I, it's brilliant. I, love I
3: don't it. know if they've looked through this at oh, all. I love you, it. You Google Street View and uh, <laughs> once you get to the other side of the bridge, you've got to do a tight U-turn around. The ghetto of Nashville. Yeah, like, there's people, there's concerns that parts of race cars are just going to get go missing, go driving through that part of town. Uh, that, Maybe we could
0: send them out Moffat to talk oh, to him about yeah, what happens totally in that case.
1: <laughs> no, I love it. It's great. It, look, Tony Cotman, who designed the track, he's very, very well regarded. So, um, I'm keen to see it. I think that'll be exciting. We'll be able to watch it because our boy, Scotty, will hopefully be in that race next year, which is going to be tremendous.
0: Yeah, it certainly will be. Boys, catch you next week. Thanks for your time again this week.
1: Hey, boys, I'm going to a racetrack again for more supercars. Let's (laughs) mute him, mute him. See you, (laughs) Shabek.
0: See you, boys. All right, see you guys. And thank you for joining us too right here on The Grid.